All right. Uh, we said uh, we'd try and steer away from issues that were controversial. We probably never will because there's plenty of them. And we're going to start right here because here is our friend Celeste Katz-Marston joining us on the line from Boston. And good morning, our time to you. Good morning. Lovely to talk to you as always. And uh, yes, controversial indeed. But um, you probably need to explain this to the, the listeners. Impeachment inquiry is uh, started up into President Biden. Right. And I know the good people of Australia must be looking at the United States and saying, why are you always impeaching your president (laughs) or trying to impeach your president? What is going on there? And I assure you that many, many Americans are asking the same question. But uh, right now we've just had an an inquiry uh, approved, not an actual impeachment, uh, but an inquiry uh, into Joe Biden voted on by the House strictly along partisan lines. And basically, this is all tied up with uh, these accusations, unproven, unproven, Mm. that Joe Biden somehow used the power of his office to help out his son or that the family financially benefited from the the power of of government uh, in their business dealings in foreign countries. Yes. So, as you say, none of that proven. And he I noticed the president saying, well, it's just yet another political stunt. And you've had a few of those in recent times, haven't you? We, we have had a couple, yeah. as, I, as I recall. And of course, I mean, this is this is something that is is extremely partisan in nature uh, so far. And look, people are certainly welcome to uh, launch investigations, to ask questions, to request documents and so on. Um, that is not the same thing as proving that an impeachment is warranted. And an impeachment itself is basically just a trial. It's not sort of a, a firing of the president. So there's there's a whole, um, you know, a whole process that has to go on there but on the other hand you know this is this is not totally unexpected for a lot of reasons we're Mm. in an extremely partisan mode um, in the united states people sort of not getting along politically and also we are coming into obviously an election year and i don't know if you call it this in australia but in the united states we call election seasons silly season Uh, because things just get really (laughs) out of hand yeah so Essentially, uh, they've launched an inquiry into whether they might, at some future point, uh, impeach the president. So that's what it is, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And there are even, and again, this this was uh, this vote came strictly along partisan lines. Republicans for okay. the inquiry, yeah. Democrats against it. But even some of the Republicans who voted for it are not necessarily in favor of a full impeachment. You know, they're under pressure in their home districts as well. You know, people they have to think about what people uh, in their areas, the people who elected them, might want them to say and do. So there certainly is a lot of pressure there. But mm. again, the White House is sort of rejecting this out of hand and hunter biden to the chagrin of some people in the white house actually is out there defending his dad they want him to testify in a closed session and he wants to testify in a public session Hmm. and the white house i mean look he's the president's kid whatever you want to say or do about him but at the same time they're sort of saying look we are coming into an election season and basically the bottom line is if people think that hunter biden the son is corrupt, is any of that going to sort of rub off on the father? And, you know, maybe it would be okay to keep those things kind of separate for now. Yeah. Yeah, we have heard Hunter Biden, by the way, on ABC News here, uh, saying, yeah, look, I've made mistakes in my life and I'm I'm sorry for that and sort of owning up to some of the things he's done in the past. And I would think that's obviously an attempt to, to back up his dad, wouldn't it be? 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you do get the sense that the Biden family, which has gone through some incredible, incredible trials, as you know, um, the president's first wife and um, some of his children were killed in a terrible car accident. He is now since remarried to the the current first lady. Um, yeah. Uh, Jill Biden and so on. Uh, his son, Bo Biden, also um, passed away uh, after a terrible, um, you know, terrible series of health issues and so on. So the Biden family has been through a lot. Now, that said, is that an excuse for would it be an excuse conditional for corruption? I mean, of course not. Of course not. No. Nobody would would expect to to have those two things fit into any kind of legitimate equation. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to see Hunter Biden's Biden sticking up for his dad. Yeah, certainly not unexpected, but also at least in some political circles, not particularly appreciated either. No, indeed. And of course, this is something we don't do. I mean, it's December now and your election's not till next November, but it's pretty much uh, in election mode already, isn't it? I think we have gone into this this position in the United States of being in a perpetual election season. <laughs> there is no end to it. Absolutely no end. And there's no end to the campaigning. There's no end to the partisan bickering. There's certainly no end to the spending. So mm. uh, I mean, just just untold, untold amounts of money that go into not only fundraising and spending by individual campaigns and candidates, yeah. but by uh, these super PACs, these uh, independent expenditure groups that are constantly uh, triangulating about how to get their points across. Yeah, it seems to go on and on and on. Anyway, uh, let's uh, leave that and see what happens with it. Now, I said to, to the young men who are assisting me tonight, uh, James and Alistair, this, to me, and I hope I'm you know, not being a catastrophizer, seems like a very big deal. Tesla is recalling nearly all of its cars in the United States. Yeah, there's a there's a, a software update that needs to happen. And again, I am not uh, a particular expert on no. autonomous vehicles, on self-driving cars, although in my defense, I am married to one. <laughs> my husband actually is in the industry of making self-driving cars, which okay. is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically the, the whole issue, the, the very big picture issue for people like me who are not super technical experts is how much can you rely on the car to quote unquote drive itself? And to be clear, no yeah, car is, no. you know, totally at this point, at this point, driving itself. What you have is um, technology that assists people that can perform certain functions um, the way you might have cruise control on your car, for example. It mm. can regulate the car to run at a particular speed, whether or not you're holding down the gas pedal. Right. And that is broken. If you hit the brakes, the cruise control comes. Yeah, down. sure. So there are certain, you know, processes that um, cars like Tesla or other self-driving vehicles can control, such as um, detecting objects in your path, keeping the car in a straight line, uh, keeping it in, yeah. in its yeah. lane and so on detecting hazards on the road and this is done through things like cameras and lidar and and you know uh, technologies like that but the concern about tesla and the thing that led to this uh, update and recall is basically a bigger question about what do we expect self-driving cars to do which is how much control should we maintain even mm. if the car is performing some self-driving functions. Like if you have a car that has um, autopilot or auto steer enabled, for example, should you be able to be in the driver's seat looking at your phone? 
Should you be like checking your makeup? No, Should you yeah. be like mm. looking in your briefcase for that important, uh, you know, important presentation that you're going to be making uh, <laughs> at your meeting that you're on your way to, right? Yeah. And so there is still at this point, and certainly with Tesla, which is not a fully self-driving car at this point, um, you know, there's a, a responsibility on behalf of the driver to e to be aware, even if the car has some control over what's happening okay. and what this comes down to is um was the car providing enough warnings or is it like is it making clear enough that you can't not be paying attention just because your car is quote unquote driving itself well exactly that mean yes exactly you're not yeah. you don't have to be there no. you can't like watch a movie yeah there's got, I mean, there's got to be, this has always occurred to me, there's got to be insurance implications to all of this. If you have an accident and you say, oh yes, but it was on autopilot. You know, I was lent a car by a mate of mine who works for Toyota, one of those cars that parks itself. So mm -hmm. you, you drive it up past the car in front of you, press the button and it parks itself. I couldn't even press that button. <laughs> I was too nervous to even do that. So look, um, not that I was, uh, you know, saying the Teslas are, are just an awful car. They're not, they're a beautiful car and the technology is amazing. But uh, this autopilot thing worries the life out of me. And there's so many implications, obviously, to it, aren't there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing that, that you know, and the thing you're talking about and the thing that I think all of us either are worried about or should be very worried about is safety. And yeah. just as with people driving cars, the danger increases exponentially as you move faster. Mm. So speed is a huge factor. A car tra traveling at one mile an hour can do still do a certain amount of damage. Like you don't want a car to hit your kid going one mile an hour no. or your dog yeah. going yeah. one mile an hour. But when the car is going 10 miles an hour, uh, 50 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. Everybody mm. knows, regardless of knowing anything about uh, autonomous technology, the mm. faster the vehicle is going, the more dangerous it is and mm. the more potentially horrible the outcome. Yeah. So it's it's a very long process. And as, as many brilliant people are, that are working on this, like my husband, I know, hi. You know, <laughs> but um, uh, the, the, the absolute... Uh, prime consideration here is safety. So, you know, I think we we all dream about how cool it would be to have a car that would just hop in your car and it drives you to work or drives you to the store. Yeah, sure. Or you're going on a very long trip and you don't have to keep your eyes, you know, wide open with 20 cups of coffee to get somewhere you want to go. Like that all sounds really cool, but it's not around the corner. And I think that the the bottom line is that things like this with Tesla sort of show us that as, as amazing as the technology is, we still have a very far way to go to do it safely. Oh, yeah. Look, it ob quite obviously, I mean, uh, I mean, is, is it, well, here's a good question. I mean, if they're on the road, it's obviously legal to have them, is it? These Tesla cars yeah. that drive? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's got to be an insurance implication. You'd have to be there to be in control of the car if it pranked. Uh, had an accident. I mean, as I say, I mean, I don't like to be a, a pessimist, but uh, it was always fraught with danger until they perfect it. And uh, well, there you go. All and I thought it was a big deal. So every car, every Tesla car is being recalled for this software update. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, long term, I mean, will they have to physically bring in cars for uh, software updates? Uh, cars are becoming more and more basically like rolling computers, right? I mean, if you had a recall yes, before exactly. for a yeah. uh, seatbelt issue or 
or, or something like that, or a braking issue or something like that, the cars would physically have to come back. But now that cars are so much more computerized, like going ahead, will they have to be physically brought back to a dealership or not? That's that's something that, you know, we're we're seeing a, a progression on, I think. You know, it's another one, isn't it? The loyals will have fun with that, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> with everything that pays. Yeah, everything that pays. Now, this is a, a, a concern uh, for, uh, I just wonder if it happens here. You've uh, noticed a 1,500% increase in calls uh, related to injected weight loss drugs and overdosing. It is an interesting topic. Yeah, and this is something that, that we've talked about a little bit on the program mm. before, but these are drugs uh, that are used for weight loss. Some of them are also used to control diabetes. And so the the first iteration of this story was that these were new drugs that came out and that people were taking a drug essentially meant to help control diabetes to lose weight. And that celebrities were talking about how easy it had been for them to drop a lot of weight and how good they felt and how good they looked and so on by not, say, changing the way they ate particularly or exercising, but by injecting a drug, taking a medication. Yeah. And so the, the big issue with that initially was that um, there were shortages. There were shortages of these drugs. People were desperate to get them to lose weight. And then people who had an actual medical need for them, like diabetes uh, or related need, um, weren't be able to get the drugs. And, and so a lot of people were saying, well, what's going on with this? This is absolutely wild. Now what we're seeing is that people are taking these drugs and they are overdosing Mm. on them that poison control reports of over accidental overdoses on these drugs uh, including hospitalization um, have been going up super dramatically something like uh, you know just this year's you know almost 3,000 calls involving this specific drug which is called semaglutide um, and that is like 15 times as many calls since 2019 so wow. really pretty explosive uh, explosive growth in in these kinds of um, these kinds of drugs. They're called uh, semaglutide is the actual drug name, but they're marketed as uh, Ozempic or Wegovy. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I've seen this um, on. It hasn't been such a big deal here. It's been reported uh, in the news, and I've seen the story a few times with Ozempic. So uh, obviously, in your country, it's a very big deal. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, there are even sort of the, the FDA has been um, telling people to be very careful about these drugs, people selling them online. Um, there are weight loss, loss clinics that are selling sort of copies, you know, like uh, knockoffs of yeah, them, yeah. Uh, spas, clinics like, you know, if you think about sort of the way we think about medicines, that you know, legitimately sometimes there's what's called like a, uh, an off-label use. A drug that was made for one purpose might actually be very effective for another purpose. Just if you think casually about like aspirin, would you take aspirin as a pain reliever? Right. Yeah, yeah. But lots of people who have uh, heart issues may take aspirin as a, you know, low, low dose aspirin um, to help them with, uh, you know, the thinning of their blood. Okay. So, you know, those are like normal off-label uses. And there are lots and lots of drugs that fall into that category. Yeah. This has become something different because it's become so popular, especially through celebrities and quote unquote influencers. I don't love that no, word, but no, you know I what I mean? Yeah. People on TikTok yeah. or whatever yeah. um, saying that this is 
this is a modern day miracle. This is the thing mm. of the future. Mm. You must have it. It worked for me. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it works for you if you have a ton of money and you can get a doctor mm. to prescribe it for you or you could buy it in some other way and uh, so on. But, you know, again, two things. Number one, people actually need the medication, not being able to get it because of shortages due to its popularity for a use other than what it was designed for initially. Yep. And, you know, now there are, plus there are also people who may deal with, you know, morbid obesity and have serious health problems associated with that, that do need some sort of chemical assistance to lose weight. And so people who are doing it for sort of vanity or because they don't want to take other, try other measures to lose weight, so on, you know, those people getting into the market um, has led to not only the shortages, but in some cases now we see people using it, I hate to use the word recreationally, but I, if you know a better word, let me know what it is. Um, and some of these people are taking, are, are going over the top with it and they're getting sick. Yeah. Gee, I wish celebrities were a bit more uh, careful uh, about the, the things they endorse sometimes. I really do because people believe them, you know, don't they? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is, and again, this is like an injectable drug. I mm. think there's sort of like a dial mechanism um, that, that tells you what the dosage is. I mean, you wouldn't sit there for a headache and take like 20 aspirin. Of course sometimes not. people no. are taking 10 times the dosage of these drugs than what you're actually thinking it will work quicker or better or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me something, uh, Celeste, uh, um, we have, yours is the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, um, and ours is the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration. Now, ours is pretty tough. In fact, they're often accused of being too tough in the amount of time it takes them uh, to authorise any particular drug. Is your US FDA normally pretty tough with all that sort of thing, or is the accusation that they're maybe not tough enough? They're, they're pretty tough. And, you know, there is a really long, really complicated process and application process to get FDA approval for a drug. Now, in some right. case, they can have what's called an emergency authorization, right? And you certainly saw that with things like the COVID-19 vaccine, where they don't go through the full process or they allow the drug to be prescribed or distributed while they're doing the full study. But yeah, you certainly can't walk in and, you know, with a great idea and a, a charismatic smile and uh, get FDA approval for your drug. Yeah, right. Okay, now this one, uh, well, you've got some controversial things going on. Boston City Council has passed a measure to allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. How's that gone down? Yeah, I mean, they haven't officially, they have uh, passed a measure to allow it, but they haven't like full on mm. uh, authorized it. But it's an interesting question to me. I mean, I'm very interested in voting and elections just as a reporter generally. So mm. this is always interesting to me. And uh, in the United States, certainly one of the uh, privileges of citizenship, either being born with it or working towards uh, attaining it, has been the right to vote. And mm. uh, that is still true in federal elections, like for president uh, and also in uh, a lot of state elections, certainly. But in local elections, cities and towns, there's been a question of, do you really need to be a citizen to vote? Should you be able to vote if you're a taxpayer, but not yet a citizen? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Say, yeah, you know, if you're it. in the it. process of getting your citizenship or, you know, even if you're just paying your taxes, if you're contributing to society through contributing to the economy by paying your taxes and doing your duty, you know, is that, should you have a, um, the right to be able to participate in public affairs? Like, yeah. like, does that make you sort of a citizen in a different way? Mm. And so Boston's looking at doing that, but you know, there are, of course, there are people who object to it 
philosophically. And then there are people who have some practical concerns about it. Like mm. if you are not a citizen, but you're allowed to vote in a local election, could you get confused and try to vote in a federal election? Because that's a crime in the United States. No, oh, you can't do that here either. No, no. Yeah. So um, it's it's interesting, though. It's, it's it's something that's happening here, but it's definitely something that's happening in a lot of communities across the country. And it, it's a fascinating question to me because I can definitely see both sides of the argument. Yeah, so can I. I mean, uh, it's a pretty good point. And, you know, if you're paying taxes and a lot of them, you're contributing to society, you have every intention of becoming a citizen in the fullness of time. Well, I guess why not in a local election? But I doubt that would ever happen at the federal level. I doubt it would ever happen here. You have to be an Australian citizen to vote. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. And this is not I mean, this is if you're going through if you are a, an immigrant to the United States and you are seeking you're here legally, maybe you're seeking citizenship or you're here on a some kind of a visa, a specialized visa, but you're here, you know, with intent and you are participating in the system. This is not something where you're dodging taxes or no. not sending your kids to school or something like that. I mean, you know, should you be allowed to participate um, and some people feel very strongly that you shouldn't, that the whole purpose of encouraging people to seek citizenship and going through this, you know, pretty arduous process, certainly people in my family have mm. had to become U.S. citizens, and it is also not easy. Um, I don't know if it's as hard as getting the FDA to approve your drug, but it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's not, not a walk in the park. Should you expect people to take those measures if they want to be full participants in, in American society or you know the political system so yeah, yeah that that might be a, a legitimate thing people always have worries about well what if you you know have a bunch of people show up you know this goes back to some old stuff that we've talked about in the u.s about busting people in just for the purpose of elections or mm. you know uh oh, motivating yes. people yeah. in yeah. some way bribing yeah. them or, that, yeah. or threatening them even to vote in a certain way so it's an interesting question. It is, and it's always fascinating to learn what's going on in your lovely part of the world. Thanks again. Thank you so much. And if I don't talk to you, Celeste, I probably won't before Christmas. All the best for the season to you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Overnight with Tim Webster on ABC Radio. Yeah, Celeste Katz-Marsden.